Welcome to episode six of Immigration Briefs, a podcast that reviews the latest immigration news every week. I'm your host, Adam Frank. Let's dive right in. Our first quick take today is about the Biden administration proposing to protect workers from deportation if they're reporting employer abuses to the federal government, as well as ceasing mass worksite enforcement. In what I consider a very smart move, the Biden administration, through a memo from DHS Secretary Mayorkas to the head of ICE, laid out its goal of going after employers who hire undocumented workers, as opposed to going after the immigrants themselves. This totally makes sense by placing the emphasis on employees. Previous administrations have done nothing to stop employers from hiring more undocumented immigrants, as there is no real downside to it. They could hire undocumented workers, either not pay them or pay them less, treat them horribly, and if caught, the workers would be deported and the employers would receive a slap on the wrist. The Biden administration is changing this by A, ensuring that workers who report employer abuses to the federal government will not be deported, and B, placing the emphasis on stopping employers not just hiring undocumented workers, but hiring undocumented workers and either paying them substandard wages or treating them awfully. This is a really important move by the administration, and it will help not just immigrants, but U.S. workers who complain about the fact that these undocumented workers are paid less. The next topic is that the Biden administration has just set the refugee cap for fiscal year 2022 to 125,000. Considering last year, the Biden administration was reluctant to even raise the cap to 50,000, I think this is a really important move as well. The next topic is the release by the White House of a proclamation transitioning away from country-by-country COVID rules. It's reported previously the Biden administration will shortly be lifting the presidential proclamations limiting the entry of people from certain countries that were based upon the COVID pandemic. In fact, a proclamation has just been released which goes into effect on November 8th, 2021 which will, A, remove those proclamations, and B, put in place a new proclamation, which will require all non-citizens coming to the U.S. to be vaccinated. There are exceptions for certain groups, however. Those coming from countries where vaccines are in limited supply, those who are too young to get vaccinated, those who are medically contradicted to take the vaccine, those arriving on certain visas, including A, NATO visas, G visas, and similar visas to those in foreign governments or international organizations, those who are participating in COVID trials, members of the U.S. Armed Forces and their family members, 
certain crew members, as well as those granted exemptions for humanitarian and emergency purposes by the CDC. It's important to note that those utilizing the exceptions must present a negative COVID test before flying, must agree to quarantine once in the U.S., and to present another test after arriving in the U.S. And, in addition, many of those also must agree to get vaccinated in the United States once they are here. Once again, there are certain exceptions. Those are for those whose age prevents it, who are in COVID trials, where there's medical contradictions, um, and those who received the vaccine that was approved by their home country, or where the CDC says that it's okay. This type of policy puts the U.S. in line with most of the rest of the world and should ease at least some of the current travel issues for non-immigrants. The next topic is in relation to the Filipino and Haitian parole programs that have been reinstated by the Biden administration. There are two programs that were ended in 2019 by the Trump administration that are now being readministered. The first is the Filipino World War II Veterans Parole Program. Since 2016, this program has allowed Filipino veterans who served alongside American troops during World War II to bring family members to the United States through parole. This process lets the family members enter and stay in the U.S. while they wait years for a visa to become available that will allow them to receive a green card. The Haitian Family Reunification Parole Program was established in 2014 to permit certain U.S. citizens and residents to apply for parole for their family members in Haiti. It was created to speed up the immigration process for Haitians waiting in visa backlogs in recognition of the need to get people out of Haiti while their nation was still recovering from the 2010 earthquake. If parole was granted, the family members could come to the United States while awaiting a green card. Clearly, both these programs are extremely warranted and it's great that the Biden administration has put them back into place. Now, on to our main topic for the week. Our main topic this week will be a deep dive into the Department of State's visa bulletin. Before discussing the current bulletin and possible future movements, however, let's get into what the visa bulletin is and what it's based upon. First, it's important to note that the visa bulletin affects everyone applying for a green card, whether they're in the U.S. or outside the United States. While only those outside the U.S. get an actual immigrant visa stamp in their passport when their permanent residence is approved, everyone, including those in the U.S., must be counted against the immigrant visa cap and allocated an immigrant visa number in order to get permanent residence. Those in the United States would file an Adjustment of Status application, I-485, and when it comes time for USCIS to adjudicate it, 
they would ask for an immigrant visa number from the Department of State. If there are no immigrant visa numbers in that category, they would be unable to adjudicate the application at that time. The visa bulletin is the way the Department of State, the U.S. government agency in charge of all visas and visa numbers, lets people know where the government is each month in terms of the use of immigrant visas in all categories, both family and employment. For each immigrant visa category, the bulletin will state that the category is either current, meaning that there are currently sufficient immigrant visas available for the foreseeable demand, or it will list a date. The date refers to a person's priority date, the date that the petition to classify them in the category they're filing for was filed. For example, if you are filing a petition, let's say for a adult child and you are a citizen, you would file a, an I-130 form. The date you file that form would be your priority. If your priority date is earlier than that listed in the bulletin for your category, then your case can move to the next step. If you haven't filed an adjustment, you're able to file the adjustment of status. If you're overseas, the National Visa Center is able to move forward on your case. The embassy is able to interview you and issue an immigrant visa. Again, if you're in the U.S. and you already filed your adjustment of status, but there was a backlog, meaning that those visa bulletin dates moved back, so immigration was unable to approve your adjustment, they would now be able to approve your adjustment. Looking at the visa bulletin itself, when it started, there was one chart for employment-based categories and one chart for family-based categories. Now, most family-based visas are held handled overseas, whereas most employment-based applications are handled in the United States. So for those in the U.S. looking to file their adjustment or to get their adjustment approved, you would look at the visa bulletin at the one chart that was there, and that would indicate if you could file the adjustment or if you filed your adjustment, whether immigration could approve it or not. However, now there are two charts. One chart is called the final action dates. The second chart is called the dates for filing. I will get into what each chart is for in one second, but it is important to remember that while these two charts are new in the printed visa bulletin, they have been used by the Department of State since they've been counting immigrant visas. So the final action date chart is the chart that was the initial chart included in the visa bulletin. It indicates when an immigrant visa is actually available. So if you're overseas, it indicates the date that your priority date has to be before, before the embassy can actually put the immigrant visa stamp in your passport. If you're in the United States, it indicates the date, again, that your priority date must be before, before USCIS can approve your I-45 application. The second chart is called dates for filing. This is a new chart. 
in the visa bulletin, but as I just stated, it's been used by the Department of State previously. It's the chart that indicates where the Department of State thinks the priority dates, the date for filing dates, will be in the course of the next year. The Department of State used it for mainly family-based cases, but also the few employment-based cases handled at the embassies to let the National Visa Center know when to process cases and get them ready to send to the embassy. And it gave them that leeway before the visa was actually available so that all the preliminary steps could be taken care of and those cases could be adjudicated quickly by the embassies to use up those visa numbers over the course of the year. Recently, USCIS has also used this chart to indicate when the adjustment of status application can be used to file cases in the United States. It's important to note, however, that the USCIS indicates on its website whether or not they are going to be using the dates for filing or not. Months in which they indicate that they will not be using it, either for all cases or for certain cases, you must use the final action dates to determine whether you can file the adjustment or not. If USCIS says they're using dates for filing for your application type, then you can use the dates for filing to determine when to file the adjustment. Again, even though you can file the adjustment, there's no immigrant visa available right now, so immigration can't approve that case until your priority date is before the final action date. Now, the visa bulletin does in include some other information. Every other month, the person who produces the visa bulletin, Charlie Oppenheim, who's a employee of the Department of State, will give some insight into where things will be moving in the next couple of months. For employment-based cases, he'll talk about what's going on with usage and do they foresee that especially dates for China and India will be moving forward or not. And same with family-based cases. In addition, it also includes the numbers for the diversity lottery. Those who aren't familiar with the diversity lottery, it allows people to fill out a basic form and take place in a lottery for visas, immigrant visas. Now, the diversity lottery's point is to bring in people from countries and areas that are underutilizing immigrant visas. So generally, countries where a lot of people are coming from, China, India, can't take place in the visa lottery. Countries where not a lot of people are coming from usually cannot only take place in the visa lottery, but have a good chance of actually getting selected. So the visa bulletin every month lists where they are on that. So everyone who applies for the diversity lottery will get a number. And when the number listed for your region is at or beyond your number, you can then apply for an immigrant visa. Now, for most of the world, the visa bulletin really isn't much use most of the time. 
That's because for most of the world, immigrant visas, at least for employment-based cases, are available all the time. For family-based cases, they are backlogged for everybody, so the visa bulletin does come into play there. However, there are certain countries, mostly India and China, but also some other countries, including the Philippines, Mexico, El Salvador, Honduras, and Guatemala, which are more backlogged in certain categories than the rest of the world. For those countries, both family and employment-based green cards are way more backlogged than for the rest of the world. Now, it is important to note that the visa bulletin, while it will list a date, so for example, let's say you're filing an employment-based case, national interest waiver case, and you filed it, let's say, on February 1st, 2018, and you're from India. Well, the current date for India is in 2012. You could look at that and say, oh, okay, well, I filed my case 2016. The visa bulletin says 2012. Therefore, I have about four years left. That is not how the visa bulletin works. It is indicating the date they're currently at where they feel that they're usage of immigrant visas is going at a rate where they'll be able to use them by the end of the fiscal year, but they won't overuse them by the end of the fiscal year. It does not mean that in four years, they're going to be four years past that date. That all depends on how many immigrant visas are in the backlog for a given month, a given year, given decade. And that's something that we don't have a firm grasp on for employment-based cases. So you can't assume that just because that date is four years away, 10 years away, that that's how long it will take you to get a green card. It could end up being decades. Now, how quickly are things going to move? That's where those Paragraphs from Charlie Oppenheim that are in the visa bulletin every other month come in handy, as does reviewing the visa bulletin every month to see how the dates are moving. That can give you some idea of how quickly things are going and where things will be in the coming year, at least. So where do things stand now? Well, all family cases are very backlogged, except spouses and children of permanent residents, which is current and has been current for months now. Now, Charlie Oppenheim has indicated that that's not going to last forever, but at least now, primarily because of the COVID pandemic, it is current and will be current for at least the next month or couple of months. However, for the rest of the family-based cases, which would be adult children of citizens, adult children of permanent residents, and siblings of citizens, the final action dates range from September 22, 2015, for unmarried adult children of permanent residents, 
to March 22, 2007 for siblings. And for certain other countries, including the Philippines, they're even more backlogged to 2001 or earlier. For employment-based cases, as stated above, most of the world is current. The exceptions, again, are India and China. And for fourth preference employment-based categories, including religious workers, El Salvador, Guatemala, and Honduras, and the Philippines are also backlogged. So for China, in the EB2 category, they're in 2018. And for the EB3 category, they're also in 2018. So they're only a couple years backlogged. India, however, for EB2 categories in 2011, and for the EB3 categories in 2012. Now, looking at the dates for filing for India, they're about one year ahead of the final action dates, which means there will be a little bit of movement, hopefully this year. For China, however, the EB2 filing date is only about three months ahead, and the EB3 date is only about one month ahead of the final action dates, which means the most likely there won't be a lot of movement. Now remember, these are all just estimates of forward movement and not a sure thing. However, if you have a case that is caught up in these backlogs, reviewing the visa bulletin every month, talking to your attorney every month about where things are going is extremely important to determine how long your case will take. Now, there are certainly possibilities that these dates will catapult forward. It all depends on what happens in Congress now. There have been several provisions put forth with the con consolidated budget bill that would help alleviate these backlogs greatly. And if any of them get passed with that consolidated bill, it would be great news for people caught up in these backlogs, and some of them would disappear, at least temporarily. Some of them would just be alleviated greatly. And we will certainly update you once we have more information on any of these provisions being included in a final bill and passed into law. Well, that's going to do it for this episode. Thank you for joining me. As always, if you have any questions or comments, please send an email to info at immigrationbriefs.com. Music, as always, is provided by Steve Combs. The song is Newsbreaks. I hope to talk to you again next week. Until then, ciao.